So I got to speak and catch up with Ahmed Al-Ajil. So to me, he's Mezupak or just Ahmed. And um, I met him in GGU back where I studied for a year. But what really caught my attention and respect was how easygoing and kind and, and how good of a listener he was to people younger than he is. You know, I was... Uh, I don't know if I would be able to listen to myself when I was when I was like 18, 19. Uh, but like, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm more and more getting to that. That's why it's nice to talk to someone like Ahmed. Uh, I think he's a role model to, to a lot of people. Just, but I don't think he would see himself that way too. You know, I think he would see himself as as a guy just trying to figure himself out best as well and push his own limits his own way. Uh, because he he is a beast athletically. You know, he's 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 like pushing himself like crazy, and he does parkour like a like a. I don't know what you compare compare parkour to. Uh, Humans are crazy, actually, when it comes to parkour. Like he can jump and spin, like like uh, not a lot of people you can meet. So it's one of one of the more interesting conversations. I'm really glad we got to catch up, and I'm glad he got he had the time to to talk. I'm sure we'll have another one. I think it's a connection, Afikra. You think so? Yeah. So I can hear you perfectly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. أيم سامعني منيح؟ لا هسه أحسن شوي هسه أحسن شوي حاول وان سكند وان سكند It's more like your voice fades in the middle of the sentence بس بس in the beginning طيب يمكن أنا صوتي عم بكون شوي ليزي ولا لو ليزي قصدك اه بال تكنيكلي ليزي او هيومن مرات مرات انا بحكي هيك بضل ينزل صوتي شوي شوي بعدين اوكي لا عادي اوكي جود ما بعرف انا سامعك بيرفكتلي اذا مش سامعني منيح اف يو ثينك اتس ا كونكشن ثينك اي كان بوت ذا كونفرسيشن اون ماي ماي فونز هوت سبوت اون ذا ديتا فممكن تكون اسرع نو هلا احسن بيرفكتلي يعني اخر 2 3 سنتنسز سمعتك منيح Okay, طيب uh, let's get this started. Let's do it in English, if you don't mind. Okay. If you, if you need to throw, throw any Arabic words in, do it, you know, but for the sake okay. of anyone listening, yani, uh, <laughs> just like saying yani. Okay. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's just fun. You want طيب to... I'm, I'm super stoked and you took the time to just, you know, catch up in general and, and talk to me. Like, I have a fuck ton of questions for you, to be honest, because I've been keeping tabs on, on like, your... Athletic journey, let's say you're you're, you're <laughs> such a beast, man. You're killing it in, in every way. I mean, I'm well, saying I'm you're getting old, man. I'm getting old. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just faking it from Instagram, but because you can put on like 15 second videos, you don't know that after 20 seconds, I'm already out of breath. Okay. You're already on the floor, yeah. <laughs> no, man, yeah. trying the best, trying the best. So, how, how old are you now? Um, I'm, I'm gonna turn 30 actually. You're turning 30, yeah. okay. Yeah. Because uh, when I met you, I think you were 25, back in GGU. Yeah, I think I was your age now, right? Like, I'm, 20, I'm 23 now, and in two years I'll be your age when we first met. Yeah, when I went like to Jordan, year. I think I was 20, yes, it was 24. I turned 25 that, that semester. 
But like, what got you into becoming a lecturer at GGU first off? Because like for me, like thinking right now in my life, becoming a lecturer or all of a sudden, like I can't see that happening <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. Let me tell you the, the, back, the background story about that. Yeah, please. Uh, becoming some reality for me at some point. Um, I was uh, actually studying in, um, in the UK, doing my master's over there. And I had a, a colleague of mine, another student actually, she was very well connected in the US and, and she came to UK also just to do her master's. And I was looking for an opportunity actually. So maybe I should just open another um, parenthesis. <laughs> so I was, uh, you know, I grew up in Switzerland and um, I was during my studies, you know, I was doing international relations in Geneva and then I was going like to Spain and to the UK. And I always knew I had that, my connection to the Arab world. Mm. And um, I knew after my master's, or during my master's actually, I realized that I really needed to spend some time actually in the Arab world. And I felt that that was something that was necessary for my personal and professional development. Okay. And so I was looking for opportunities in the Arab world and she just came up with that. She just sent that my way. And I saw that, well, this NGO called Think Unlimited was looking to hire people, young people from different places to do that curriculum. It all sounded very vague in the beginning, but I just, I, it spoke to me from the first uh, moment when I saw it. Mm. And so, yeah, I just, I applied and then I had that chat with, with James and Shailene and then they said, yeah, let's go. And I think that was around May, May 2014, okay. when I knew I was going to Jordan, actually, yeah. And yeah. then the rest is history. Yeah, because that, that's how we met. You were teaching Abdullah Mahadian. Yes. And um, he was always telling me about how much, like, you're, you're, you were basically his role model for the longest time, you know, like, uh, <laughs> and, and to have that type of, to put, that energy into into younger people, into youth and, and, and society. I think that's one of the best things anyone can do. And, uh, yeah, right. Like, it must have felt uh, awesome. I had a talk in front of children like like once, 15 year olds in Finland. Yeah. And uh, just seeing like in their eyes, man, they were the way, the way they related to, to what was being said. Nice. Um, I was always telling Mahadeen, like, man, like, fuck, I wish I joined this class with you guys. But it's like looking back at it now, I probably would have, you know, like I back then I was the type of person who wanted to like keep telling people what I knew and like th this like uh, productivity. I don't know what su subjects you were really uh, approaching, but it was a lot of self-growth and I was mm -hmm. into, into that for the longest time. So mm -hmm. I would have just been throwing that in class like constantly and I would like... Um, I've grown past the need to really need to say anything at any yeah. point and uh, podcast really helps because I know it's said somewhere at, at least. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you, so, so you're originally 100% Iraqi though, right? Uh-huh, 100%. Okay, uh, how, did, how do you guys end up in Switzerland? Yeah. Am I allowed to ask you questions as well, or is it? Dude, like it's not it's not an interview, man. It's a conversation. <laughs> okay, good, good. Of course, good. of course. No, um, but you have to tell me afterwards why why you were in Finland. 
Or do you want to tell me that now and I get? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So, so the Finland thing is, uh, I have a friend of mine from because I lived in Spain too. I did a semester abroad mm-hmm. in Spain, and I met this Finnish dude called Johannes. I have like three podcast episodes with him on. on I saw on. a picture. I saw actually that uh, you posted a picture of him, and that there was a Finnish meet. Yeah, yeah. Finnish meet, That was it. Finnish meet. Exactly. Very high quality Finnish meet. This guy. <laughs> Because man, before yeah. like visiting him, I visited him last year February, and it was yeah. really cold. He he called Finnish schools because I told him I'm interested in how Finland uh, does their education, and he yeah. called Finnish schools in Helsinki, and and somehow the top, let's say IB curriculum school, private school, because most of schools in Finland are public. Yeah, um, it was a private school in in Helsinki, and he got us uh, in. And they they liked our like our story. They're like, okay, this guy is a Palestinian from nowhere. Let's just like, why not show him what's up, you know? Mm. So they actually they gave me an entire tour of the school. They told me everything. They showed me, man, they have create like they teach graphic design to eight year olds, man, and they they're all on computers <laughs> doing like crazy That's shit. That's crazy. They teach them how to cook. They teach them how to like create, how to clean their house. They they really teach life skills, you know, very. <laughs> And like in, in a curriculum, they had like how to persuade and how to influence people for fifteen-year-olds, man. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's why very, they call very, the, very well-developed Nordic countries. It's insane. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. But at the end of it, they had us um, talk. They gave us like forty-five minutes to talk to a group of fifteen-year-olds that are about to graduate from the school. And, you know, I just gave them a very, like, uh, just my heart-to-heart type of talk. Uh, Johannes and I talked, maybe Johannes talked for like 10 minutes, I talked for like 35, you know, I I really lost myself. (laughs) Um, But I was telling them stuff like, uh, like, like at the end of the day, uh, you are where you are, and you're just trying to do what's right, right for you. And the next step, whatever you're doing, no one knows what the next step is, and you're just learning as you. So something along that, like I really wish mm-hmm. one, that that was one of the com- like things that I was able to record and look back to. But I yeah. did, I did talk about it directly afterwards with Johannes on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very enriching in that sense, seeing these mm-hmm. like because in general the teacher told us they they're always. They're never that behaved in class. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, and they saw these two strangers come in, and they all like really paid attention, and like I saw them really pay attention, and I, I, I don't know something about that, and seeing that even though we had that short interaction, they're gonna carry that with them in one way or another throughout their lives. Mm-hmm. So there was this slight shift in in direction that just mm-hmm. randomly happened, mm-hmm. thanks to Johannes getting me into that school, but. Uh, so you just so, visited for what it was a one-time visit. You didn't actually spend more time over there. So ten days in Helsinki. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sauna, ice baths afterwards. All all the good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, nice. Good time. <laughs> cool. Good to mm. know that. Good. And Spain, you did that semester abroad while you were already in Germany. So man, Anna, I I left GGU after a year. And I went to Hamburg by myself. Uh, first off, it was a bit of a hassle. I ended up being thrown in a bunch of German cities, and then I ended up finding a place in Berlin. And right wow. before, like, I found the place in Berlin as hard as that is, and I, everything was was set. But like two weeks before I went, the yeah. university emailed me, and they're like, "Dude, your course is cancelled. We don't have enough students." Mm. I'm like fuck, but we have another option. You can go to Hamburg at another one of our campuses, and and you'll be able to 
to study the same thing there, which was international business management. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any option at that point. Otherwise, I'd have to wait another year to study in Germany. So I, I was like, yeah. okay, and I, I went. It was a private uni. We had to pay, and like I was broke the entire time and just like trying to get by. And on, on our fifth semester, no, sorry, on our fourth semester, we had to do a semester abroad, and I chose uh, Madrid with mm-hmm. a few friends of mine, and I went, and like I was even more broke in Madrid. Like I tried to find jobs uh, and I tried, to, but like it was just a mess, you know. But I got wow. I got uh, the language out of it and I got Johannes out of it. Uh, I got <laughs> a lot a lot out of it. Definitely it was one of the nice. better experiences. How did your status change when you? I mean, how did you stay in Germany? Did you because you had like I guess what a, a one year internship first when you came from GGU. And then you just uh, you were supposed no, 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 to go no. back. I, I, I left. I left GGU oh, after a year of okay. being there, man. I just dropped out and I applied and I got the visa and I I went there and I was applying to universities while I was there and taking a German course. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Luckily, my aunt lives in Iserlohn, which is a small city next to Dortmund. Yeah. So I lived with her for a while, and my cousins they all speak German and and Arabic, and I was. Oh. I was always chilling with my cousin's friends and whatnot. But like when you're integrated like that into society, that's when you really like that's when the language really hit for me. Um, that's great. Yeah. With, with my relatives, yeah. Uh, so it didn't have anything to do with GGU afterwards. You were saying, okay, you were like, okay, now I'm done with that. I'm going to Germany. Was that always on your list? It was. It was. wasn't. It wasn't really on my list. Like, um, like. It was it was very random how it happened. Um, mm. I I just uh, I ran into a friend of mine from school out of nowhere uh, in the gym, and he's like, "Dude, I'm going, I'm going to go, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Germany." I'm like, "Okay, uh, I want to come with you," <laughs> even though I wasn't I wasn't <laughs> you already. But the idea yeah. idea of going like studying in Jordan for another three four years is to go to Germany for one year and then come back to Jordan for another year was just like. Uh, because my sister had already done her year abroad and she like it was very clear from her experience how quick something like that passes so mm-hmm. I was like nope drop that let's just go to Germany for four years already mm-hmm. and do, do the entire thing there and that's that's uh, what I did and now mm-hmm. Berlin Berlin is where I am somehow right. oh, so you're in Berlin right now <laughs> I'm in Berlin now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. wow yeah Germany, Germany do you like it do you feel like do you feel like do you feel home at some point? Like, Ooh, do you feel like, like I don't I don't think I ever felt at home, honestly. Um, mm. Like now I'm feeling more and more at, at peace because like I was moving too many too often too quickly throughout, yeah. and um, you know I don't know like I'm, I'm I would like people to be more warm and and open and adventurous and stuff like that, which Germany mm. just just isn't. Um, you mm. can you can meet cool people. It happens. It's awesome, but um, and generally it's it's closed. But it's a mm. really well functioning system. You know, it's it's a mm. system that just works really well. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a stable place to stay, but it's not where I feel fully. Um, you know, fully realized, but you know that will come. Mm. I'm, I'm in no rush to to fully realize myself. You know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Cool. So did you finish your degree now? And yeah, I finished my degree. I, I came to came to Berlin and started looking for for a job. You know, just going to networking events, talking to people, uh, mm-hmm. like really just like talk to so many people. And uh, eventually, I got the position, and the company went bankrupt three days after I joined. 
No. It's <laughs> <laughs> just super fun, like super awesome experience. And then I found another like full-time job because that was an internship. Yeah. But then like the position afterwards, the position I'm in now is a full-time job. So like I, I have a stable income with a great team, good people. Mm. And, uh, I'm learning a lot so often. So it's, it's pretty great. It's good. It's good. Happy to hear that, man. Yeah, man. It was it was like looking back at everything that I went through. I'm I'm like I'm I'm happy that everything happened the way it is for me to be where I am now. You know, I'm happy with my mm-hmm. okay. Although I don't know parkour, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still I'm still happy at at the fact that I I can see the world like I do and interact with the world the way that I do because it just yeah. I think a lot of what you know I just don't have that hate you know or or fast reaction that that a lot of people can have to, to everything that happens around them in a way where mm. they think they have to damage instead of love or anything like that yeah but, um, mm. like, like even Mahadeen like Mahadeen I haven't talked to him for you know talking about a guy who idolized you you know he really like like mm-hmm. like talked about you a lot and he really wanted to uh, and you knew that you were practicing with him all the time and you 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 gave that to him and you gave that to a lot of other children or younger people too mm-hmm. but i didn't speak to him for like two three years and then i saw him like two months ago here in berlin okay just to see how he's like and like we, such a contrast of how different so he, he's in berlin right now no no he, he was just in berlin for a month he's visiting okay he was visiting and and i found out and i saw him Mm. and that that in itself you know was like very for me um i went in without any like i, I don't know what what the hell i was expecting really but uh mm. he, he was a lot calmer and a lot himself more than i thought honestly mm. even though like for a lot of people they could they can be like okay i i it's not he's very unique let's just <laughs> say <laughs> say that <laughs> In, in his own way, which is awesome. I don't know if you listened yeah, to yeah. some songs he made. No, I just saw the other day that he posted something on Instagram. So it was a 10 second uh, rap, but I didn't actually No, I, I didn't know he was making music. Yeah, man, he's uh, uh, he's into her, his artistic side big time. It's just good to know. That's cool. I'm going to check that out because mm-hmm. you guys last time I, I asked you that was before those two months ago. And um, so I guess you were saying that you had drifted apart and you weren't really talking anymore. Mm-hmm. Was that for a particular reason or is it just like, you know, we had, we had some, some weird times. Like I, I got sick. I had, uh, like, uh, <laughs> testicular cancer at some point. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, and, and then like he was, he came to Germany and he was trying to figure himself out, but he went, you know, into like a weird hole where it was it was hard to get out of and like me obviously like I'm I'm always telling him like yo you need to do this you need to do that which was wasn't the right approach I see that now yeah but uh eventually he like just emotionally and from a I don't know how to say this you know like he 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 got just like mad at me at some points when in ways that I didn't expect and like I I was like worried about him so much that I couldn't keep worrying about him so much so I said I told him something like uh, 
man, I, I see you as a brother and all of that, but like, I can't see you as a brother anymore. Let's just be, be friends because I can't keep on asking how you're doing and uh, trying to check up on you and stuff like that, mm. which, which really, really hurt him, you know, which I totally mm. understand. But then um, uh, it just naturally, you know, he stopped liking me. I, I stopped seeing that I can keep being in this relationship. So it just naturally uh, drifted like that. But like he he's like he's a lot better now from an ego perspective. Like he he knows what he's about at least, even if other people can't see that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know there was this bipolar type of rage that kept on happening. And when I saw him, like I saw like for me in my head, I was looking at a guy who really I thought really hated me. I thought this guy really 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 hated me, man. Like I thought mm. this guy didn't like me, didn't wish me any any good in my life anything yeah. like that but then like when i saw him he, he really just like was was very welcoming very like whatever man mm-hmm. uh, not, not attached to any particular thing very aware very uh saying what he thinks in a, in a very direct way which is always uh refreshing but oh. then um you know when i saw him i expected to see hate but i saw more love let's say but the, mm-hmm. the other thing is like for me i i didn't know how to process it or talk to him about it because I was like, dude, you hated me for so, so damn long. Uh, and now you're acting as if none of that happened. And like, for me, like, I need some type of justification. Yeah. Uh, and and he just went like, you know, like, you, you can't justify feelings. You could, like, I couldn't justify them to myself. I couldn't explain them to myself. So how do you expect me to explain them to you? And mm. just feel it, feelings, man. And, and people act out their feelings. And that's what happened. Yeah. And I'm like, shit, that's pretty wise, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so part of me wanted him to explain why he hated me and was so aggressive and whatnot. But I, I didn't get that. But what I got was different and healing in its own way. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, and did it, what did that have to do with, the, with your um, sickness? Then? It's like when I was sick, like he, he, he like crashed. He, oh, okay. he, he didn't uh, react to that really. Like he was really sad and he wanted to come visit me, but he like, he couldn't at the same time and, and all of that. Uh, yeah. Like I was sick and like trying to get in contact with him. Um, mm-hmm. him like, get your shit together, man. <laughs> um, I need you now. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. But you're good now? Is, is yeah, man, like 150%. No, this is what, like, like, I wanted to talk to you a lot about, um, like, re- like training, recovery, setting goals and stuff like that, you know, because, like, I recently, I don't know if you'll find this funny, but um, about, like, in January, 16th of January, I started uh, martial arts, like, properly, properly, yeah. like, very dedicated, mm-hmm. going to work and then, like, directly afterward going and fighting like, three times a week. Wow. And uh, I see how big of a change that did to me. Mm-hmm. Something I absolutely love. And then, like last week, I was like, "Fuck it." One of my goals is to at least fight in the UFC once, just just once. <laughs> I wanna I wanna be ad- admitted into the UFC at least and fight like one debut debut fight, just the one time. So okay. so that's like a goal of mine now. You know, I'm I'm 23. I'm t- turning 24 in, in two months. But yeah. I, I, I can't see how age is going to stop me. You know, I can't I can't imagine that uh, that if I if I don't just just stay true to myself and stay 
clear and clean for the next like seven years when i'm 30 31 i don't think it's a very unlikely thing after like four five six or seven mma fights with people and if i win them you know if i win all of them then mm-hmm. i don't see any reason why i can't be admitted into the ufc but mm-hmm. uh, like i fought with a friend of mine today we went to the park and we we put our boxing gloves on and we went at it fucking mm-hmm. everything hurts man and uh <laughs> I, I need to be able to recover from this because like things are hurting and they're still hurting you know they're not like going away after a while <laughs> yeah 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 and you're not, you're not afraid of the you haven't hit, been hit very hard so that you might be afraid of of uh, injuries that last just longer and might have might, might have some long term damage as well yeah is that something you're afraid of, or is it just no, no, like, like really something it, it, it can can happen, you know. Like today, fighting with my friend, I got like some really nice punches in. I have to admit, yeah. Yeah. but he he also sneaked a few in too, you know, and like uh, like just in the face, and like you you step back for a second, you're like whoa, and, <laughs> and then, yeah. but then like you're still fighting, so you have to like focus again and continue. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I don't crazy, know. Bro. I, I want to reach a stage where. I can take I know, like where I know I can handle myself and take out anyone that's in front of me. Like I, it's something like I mm. really really want to get to. Mm. Okay. Well, interesting. Because you've, you've been you've been fighting too for I don't know how long. Like I used to me? see your fists were bloody at some point. Yeah. yeah I, no, actually, I used to fight mostly when I was in Jordan. I did start some uh, classical boxing in the UK. But then when I got to Jordan, I, I was uh, doing most a little bit of everything, karate, a little bit of kickboxing, classical boxing. Um, but after that, uh, what did I go after Jordan? After Jordan, I started uh, studying again back in Switzerland. I did some a little bit of boxing, but I was never actually doing real fights. The most okay. sparring, but like protected sparring, not, not hitting uh, the head or anything. Mm-hmm. Because um, I was, I, I always had a huge respect. Uh, I was always, um, I mean, in a certain way, also afraid of, of, because I got hit at one point or two, um, and I, I always knew that from a training perspective, from a, from a spiritual perspective, from a, from a just, also a social perspective. I always, I always saw it, but I was never that much into it to be actually re- willing to risk anything okay uh, even when when somebody was suggesting to fight i was like no i don't think i'm gonna fight earlier would have done that but i in the military when i was in the military i once broke my nose okay. um just you're in the military <laughs> yeah because in switzerland you know it's it's compulsory okay. we have military uh, yeah it's like everyone has to to do it. like every able man has to do uh, how long study. it's uh, 300 days in total but okay. you start off. You start off with uh, six months, five to six months, and then you do every year. You do th- three weeks. Uh, so that, I was. That's I, such an interesting way to do it. I haven't heard of that before. I don't know if maybe in the in in Austria they do that as well. I think most countries have that system where they have a well where you do your long a long first part of your duty and then afterwards you just keep repeating something every year. Yeah. yeah, but well, I mean, like you, you, you I, learn how to shoot guns, you learn how to be disciplined, yeah, organized. Yeah. yeah, of course, all of that. Yeah, you shoot stuff. You, 
get organized. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's a good experience. I was what 19 years old when I did that. Okay. And uh, it was it was a good experience back then. I don't think I would do it today. Yeah. Uh, I think at that age, with that the energy that I had, and uh, also the, the ability to not question too many things. Okay. Because the people that, that have a tendency to question, you know, authority, question yeah. orders, question systems, they don't get along well in those in those in, in the army, right? But because they have that ability to say, okay, let's just play with the rules and switch that somehow mentally, I was able to actually enjoy quite a lot and learn stuff. But it was also fine to just do five to six six months. It was good after that. I don't think I actually didn't do any repetition um, courses so I just did those five to six months uh, because I was all I mean I was studying had exams and then in the end I switched you can do that in Switzerland I switched to the civil service and then you could just go work in a social institution uh, for the same amount of time no actually longer mm. it's 1.5 times as long uh, and then you spent I was one time I was working with uh, refugees mostly and the second time I was working in prisons Oh, and sure. to me, that was very enriching, and I preferred that. Even like if, if it took more time, I preferred that to another military service where you weren't actually learning anything else, you know, during those repetition courses. But uh, yeah, working with them, how um, social service? Uh, so in the it really, I actually uh, it's funny because uh, those institutions they can mm -hmm. apply to have like what they call a, a civil service person. Mm -hmm. um, and then they just have like a position of a full-time job, somebody working for them, right? So you, you you apply for for that job, and then you just you 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 become part of the team. So I was doing most of the things that anyone else would be doing who's working there as a full-time in a full-time job. Uh, so for uh, for the refugees, it was I mean it was refugees and also people who had like were struggling at school and struggling to find jobs or, uh, you know, apprenticeships afterwards. So I was helping them with maths, with, with uh, French, uh, with, with how to write a CV, how to write a cover letter, etc. And also some, like, all of the things that go with that, you know, the whole process of finding a job, motivating people, like uh, sticking to something, mm -hmm. trying to think differently about life, you know, uh, abandon some of the stereotypes that we have, the stereotypical thinking about ability, you know, and, and intellect. Uh, so it was really just doing those things for the, for the, for the, that part when I was working with the, the institution that was serving people who were struggling and refugees. And had, in prison, it was, it was actually having that job of a, of a prison uh, officer, you know, an agent actually. So this, it okay. was a, you know, you were supervising people who were... I was working in a prison that's actually <laughs> specifically serving for pre-trial detention. Okay. So people who, were, who, were, who I was dealing with weren't actually... hadn't been sentenced yet. So they were just stuck there for a, an indefinite amount of time. Usually they are there like, you know, okay, I get in there because I'm a suspect and I stay in there for three months. Until and the investigations... Uh... Exactly, Time, yeah. until, un, until the prosecutor actually uh, writes down, you know, the, the, the accusation and sends it to the tribunal, to the court. To the court. Mm. And until then, they have that limbo space where they're just hanging in there. And so that makes it, I think, the, the, 
working in there is different is very different from working yeah i can imagine no, no what, a, what a weird place to be what do you mean like i can't imagine first off being a suspect in limbo and second be, <laughs> being an officer that's supervising the suspect yeah yeah it's pretty i mean the good thing i was i, was, I wanted to do that because i don't know if you knew that but afterwards i studied uh, criminology so okay. I, started, I started my phd at that point and I, it was it was actually perfect for me to see you know inside what happens inside a prison system because okay. you learn about it you read about it in the books you read about you know Foucault and you read about uh, Goffman and asylum you read about what that institution does to you but when you see like day in day out you go in there you see the people you talk to them that just makes it so vivid and that's something that I've, I've always been seeking you know to see what oh. stuff looks like that you read about in the books and uh, from that perspective it was it was hugely enriching but can, yeah. can you give, can you give us like some of the juiciest parts maybe juiciest is a very <laughs> like an appropriate <laughs> word for this but like what, what made it so enriching like so, some type of scenario or story that you can share um well how do you say that it was many things were particular about that institution because it's in located in the swiss german part mm. so I, I know the context. It's even in my canton. It's about like 20 to five, like 30 minutes away from where I grew up, you know. So mm. I know the context. I know the people who are working there. I know even the people, the type of people who are in prison, you know, or like detained. So it's not in prison then. Um, so that whole social context for me was like seeing what you might be hearing about in the local newspaper, you know. Oh, somebody did something. He got arrested, you know. Or you read about a certain a murder, you know, and then you find that pe person, you see that person in front of you, you know, you know, okay, okay that guy just killed his wife and, um, uh, and and her sister or something like that, you know, and and uh -huh. that was, that was just it brings everything, like everything hits home very quickly mm -hmm. and in a very like concrete way, you know. So that was very that made it very specific all of a sudden because I hadn't, I mean, I, I had during my criminology um, course I had you know read about the, all the things about delinquency what is crime you know and you just go into the different theories etc uh, and then you see just people in front of you who are who committed you know, atrocities yeah. at that point exactly uh, yeah, yeah yeah but you had some of them who were who was pretty clear that they had actually um, yeah like murdered someone or or been you know or had like I know it involved. But like, but like how how do you how do you treat them? Like obviously respectfully, but because uh, like as an officer, what were you obligated to do towards this person? Did you have to like take them out of their cell to go exercise an hour, or like how how was it from from that day to day type of actions that you had to take? Mm. So the 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 regime, the pretrial detention regime, is very strict in Switzerland. So you have just have one hour of you know. Uh, going out into a what is that perhaps five six on six meters court you know they just they just hang out there for an hour uh, so the only job I had then was to get them out and like open their cells cell doors and let them go out and then close well, like you're, you're dressed yeah. in a uniform and you have like a stick next to you and, and you you look like very serious and, and like as a civil servant you don't have you look differently because you just have the uniform that civil uh, civil service officers have you know they look different they know that you're they actually the, the detainees also know who you are because they see you're different from the officer 
and you don't have you don't have the same you know rights uh, to just act as if you you know you don't have the same prerogatives okay um, so they know that and you know that and so that allows for a dynamic that is more that's friendlier you know because mm -hmm. they know i'm not actually enforcing all those rules whenever something is going to happen i'm just definitely going to call an officer and he's going to sort it out you know it's not up mm -hmm. to me um so that makes it that make that allows for for a certain dynamic that's a bit more helpful it's like yeah. I, I assumed you were an officer at the beginning like i thought that you'd be one of the officers no so like you, I, I was trying to paint the, the same like... thing yeah no you're doing the same things but but it's helpful to actually not be wearing the same things as the actual officer who's been there for years you know there might actually be hostilities between that person and the officer because it's a detainee that comes in back and you know again and again so it's really helpful to be there as some form of third party mm. to not get involved in all that stuff can you tell us a bit more about the tasks that you did other than like yeah so the... it was it was a uh, you know uh, handing out food um getting them to the library once per week uh getting them to the to to a doctor's to doctor's appointment but, but throughout you're always talking to them trying to because i imagine you also trying to see how you can help each individual best you know that's that's what i imagine you would be like in this like if they're going to the library you'd be like yeah you should read uh i don't know <laughs> yeah this one. yeah because because i don't have that mandate in that point i was really late i was really just uh, not trying to get too involved either, you know. Okay, I was trying okay. to help wherever I could with translations because there were a lot of foreigners as well. Translations, uh, helping out with the, the 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 legal stuff, you know, because a lot of them just don't know what what actually what they're in for, you know, and mm. translating the the things in terms of the legal technicalities, um, and that allowed for some space to just say you know uh, yeah i know like you know talking about the 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 morality of whatever acts they might have committed mm. and it allowed for discussions but they were always launched by them you know it was like yeah i know what i did was really stupid and i just want to change etc and then it's more about reinforcing that that spirit you know it's not about me talking to anyone or giving anyone any advice without being prompted to do so really yeah, but, but like interest like i had no idea you 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 did your phd in criminology you said yeah i'm still doing it actually yeah but i i, I yeah i didn't i did i wasn't planning to but when i when i left jordan i was pretty sure that i'm gonna actually at the end of my stay in jordan i knew that i was gonna start i was gonna start my master's in criminology okay okay yeah crazy so so we <laughs> yeah, got to this topic from from the fitness topic right yeah exactly that's what we're talking because we talk about that broken nose in the army uh, yeah, yeah. so what i was going to tell you is just like i'm really um because i just broke my nose and it was really annoying because i couldn't do any sport for like two or three weeks and even in jordan when i was fighting sometimes i just you know i would hurt my hand and it'd be mm. like, oh man, I just can't do anything, like you know, or not that much yeah, for not yeah, three yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so the the level of risk, and you know, compared to parkour, where I'm always on my own and just responsible for everything. But like, like what's the, what's funny about parkour is that you know, parkour is also crazy. You know, parkour, you're, you're. <laughs> There's a big component is that yeah. you're alone. And you're responsible for everything. A fight, yeah. you don't even know how you're gonna be hit, man. You have <laughs> Whereas no idea, with parkour. You know everything, and whatever happens, you just 
you you can play only yourself, right? Whereas with fighting, you get that you get hit this way or this way, and just just I don't know. I just feel it so. Uh, it always felt it always felt like when you're fighting, you're always I always felt like I'm fighting myself, you know, because like this person is only reflecting my capability to towards myself through him. Okay, like that's how it how it feels. But like I totally get the responsibility. Like, but like for me, even starting parkour, like I've always wanted to have that mobility, jumping around, and being able to to just like that that freedom in it. I feel with, with something like that calls to me. But just you know, like I never got past the fear of of falling on my neck and and just getting <laughs> paralyzed or or my head or because it's real. It's real, you know. It's it's a. Uh, Man, I don't know because I, of course that's this, that fear that everyone has because they look at it and they're like what? But to be honest, to be honest, like statistically comparing both of the sports, fighting is definitely riskier because okay. I mean I've seen so I mean I've 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 seen I've, I've I do have the experience myself, but I also saw a lot of people just practicing parkour and I saw the amount of injuries that they got and what types of injuries they got right and they're they're really rare, you know. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can. I just took a Snapchat by accident. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want to like zoom out or something. I was like, what can you Snapchat there? You can just, you know. What I'm saying is that it just knowing it, you know, knowing the 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 sports from the inside, I actually I can honestly say that the risk isn't that high because people work themselves up. They think a lot about. The craziest jumps that you see, they've been practicing them for a while. They've done stuff, you know, with mats. They've done stuff with shorter distances. So it's a real process of getting there, which makes it a lot safer as well. And doing it, you learn that respect, that self-respect. You learn that humility as well. Mm. But also that, you know, that circumspection, I guess understanding you know your place in the world and in the space and also knowing that there's no need to be able to do that right now you know and i think that gets gives you a certain maturity that also reduces the risk uh but there's definitely that perception of parkour being like no you know really crazy i just don't think that it applies to what it actually you know empirically and 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 from within the scene looks like said like a true phd student (laughs) like i'll I'll do my best you know like i i don't plan on fighting in a way that gets me injured a lot like i want to be concise with my fighting and just knock the motherfucker out as soon as i can like but this is me this is what i'm saying (laughs) like what i'll eventually be able to to do is 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 another story just Um, be careful man be careful what i'm saying do you have any advice on like how to recover as fast as possible, like wrist injuries or anything like that. A lot of ice. Uh, yeah, man, just ice is good. Um, really, be, be careful with your food. You like, know, what, what, tell eat. me about what you eat. Tell me about how you, how how the beast Mazupat eats. <laughs> man, I've been uh, I've been on and off with good eating, you know. But I mean, I, I was let's say about in general, I, I was really um. What, what, in terms of my athletic uh, engagement, it's changed a lot. I mean, in the in the last few years, it really became more of a way to keep myself sane, both physically yeah. and, and mentally. I was I'm more laid back. Um, you know, I don't have I don't measure things as much. I'm I'm oh, still competitive, but in a different way, I think. So also in terms of like food, I've been you know going easier on myself. Uh, but uh, in 
more generally when I really try to be eating well, what I what I would suggest, and that's what most people will tell you, it's just like, you know, have a lot of vegetables in there. Um, if you can try, you know, I've, I've been I've been going more towards a more vegan vegetarian diet. At least vegetarian and then perhaps vegan at some point. But try to explore that because there's there's been some evidence of it being helpful or just reducing meat consumption um, in terms of like what veg- vegetables or, or meat now. I don't know, man. Something about having a steak, you know, is, uh, makes me feel alive again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's all about, you know, it's it's always a balance between things, you know, about living life, just enjoying life and also uh, pursuing a certain a certain goal, right? It's And you should keep that balance in a way that keeps you sane, but still working towards your objective, objectives, right? Well, it shouldn't be. Trying, yeah. yeah, right. Nice. So whatever it is, take the, the, the you know, the advice on, on diet and use it. And, you know, don't be too... Uh, I think the word is stoic or um, mm. too, too strict about it. Just try to be think think in a long like keep that long term thinking and um, look at it as okay. It's not bad if I I had that steak now or if I I ate some chocolate now, you know. But what am I doing over a couple of weeks or a couple of months or even years, you know? Mm. And I look at that impact. Because yeah, I have a board at my house, and uh, since the beginning of this month, I put the sentence on top that says clean internally clean alpha internally clean alphas actually because my roommate's doing it with me and every day like i i i just like want to start eating clean like i'm i think i'm generally a lot cleaner than than i eat very very healthy but um i was eating too much candy the last month and a half like okay. I started, like this new job everyone's always getting like sweets and cakes and donuts to the office Oh, and, and it's so bad man like everyone's like running on a sugar rush like our our boss he he would come in after lunch with a bag of like sweets on the table and then like you know everyone goes down after lunch but you know everyone's then on a sugar rush so like i did like i, <laughs> I contribute the company's success on this like management tactic that i learned just yeah. out of out of you know just get everyone high on sugar get them working again <laughs> get them fat and at some point they're just gonna you yeah. know drop out of, of work it's crazy how much candy's eaten at the office man i can't i can't even explain it like <laughs> if you if you see it and ex- experience it like like one like this this day i was like okay for the next week like this this week i'm not eating any any sugary anything and then i go down to the cafeteria and i see like this guy it was his like last day or something so he got like cheesecake and he got chocolate cake and he got i'm like what the fuck i found myself like eating chocolate cake chocolate cake and cheesecake uh-huh. <laughs> like this this yeah. month at least everyone's in quarantine i i don't have the temptation of of all of that so like the maximum sugar that enters my body is like the bar of uh dark chocolate a day and a bit of honey yeah, uh, yeah. But otherwise you know vegetables and, and st- like i've been eating a lot of meat That's lately but uh i don't know i want to feel like i'm healing i'm not feeling like i'm healing you know I'm, I yeah because feel like... there's there's some evidence on like meat actually slowing down your healing process seriously I don't know. yeah i don't know all the biological stuff about it but just read about it and you know read about read it from both sides you know always took take like the the vegan side and then take some of the uh, the the pro meat camp 
and look at it. But I think there's some evidence of of two uh, of an excessive meat consumption being actually harmful to your to your healing process. But look at it. I mean, uh, I don't know all the evidence, but con consider it. And there's just what I, what changed things for me was seeing so many athletes actually performing very very well and performing better. You know, after a certain after a certain while. After actually changing that, yeah, exactly. But um, I, I can't speak to all of them, and you can't generalize either, right? But there's definitely something in it uh, that you should at least try for for a, for a, for a, you know a couple of weeks or even a month or two months, you know, just try how what it does to your body and how how it works. Mm -hmm. But I can definitely recommend that. The yeah. same goes actually, I think, for sugar. Uh, so more generally, I think I would suggest. Both on a spiritual, like mental, physical um, like level. Like no, no sugar at all? You mean? No sugar, no sugar, cutting it out. Because okay. I haven't been able to do that, you know, perfectly, but that's something I've always, always been striving for. And there's really no need for artificial sugar to be in your body. And if you're striving towards cleaning, cleansing your body, and that's, that's something that should be there imperatively. Uh, like I've, I've went through periods where I like, didn't have any sugar in my body for a while like maximum mm. maximum like a teaspoon of honey a day but yeah. uh i don't know man I've, I've i've i feel like having a tiny bit of bits of sugar throughout the day just works for me like so far is what i'm seeing but like you said experiment experimenting and, and seeing what yeah. works for you at the end of the, like i'll try the vegan diet like for sure at some point mm. i don't know i've been feeling like my my relationship to me it's also changing like i i had like I had this, uh, it's a weird story, man, but like I had, cause like you, you've probably been cooking and eating for yourself for the longest time, right? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, of course, that's been almost 10 years, I guess, yeah. Crazy, cause like when you do that, you see like, okay, this is what's getting into my body. At the mm -hmm. beginning, like, like when you're with your parents or, or moms cooking for you, you don't have that type of control or that conscious, to, to see that that's something, if you change, can actually really change how you behave and act and experience mm -hmm. life. So, mm -hmm had some uh, chicken um, thighs and drumsticks in my fridge and I think like I left them maybe a day or two p p past you know beyond the expiry date and I smelled them and I and they smelled you know weird and I was like but fuck you know I hate throwing I hate throwing anything yeah. like, like like they, they smelled really weird I was like I'm not gonna throw them away so I got vinegar and I cleaned them out and I left them in vinegar for like half an hour and a half and I made sure like they're super clean and then I cooked them put them in the oven and like put them in the oven for like two hours so like so that they they burn extra you know kill any yeah. bacteria then I ate it and it still fucking tasted weird and I wanted to I wanted to shoot myself I threw it away but like after eating like almost an entire thigh and drumstick and yeah. I and I afterwards man every time I look at a, a look at that part of a chicken or like meat or or, or chicken breast i'm like like i'll eat that i i can eat that that's fine but like there's there's this feeling like it's just it's just so it's so dead you know it's such a dead thing yeah. to put in your body it's not it's really it's it's not alive it's not refreshing it's just empty mm -hmm. and, and dead is, is how I'm, I'm feeling towards it right now which is which is weird <laughs> But like I'm, I'm yeah. I definitely see it happening, you know, like the going vegan for a bit because I like, just want to be more clean and green. And yeah, yeah. Stuff. It definitely also helps like lighten your body to a certain extent. Okay. You're just like it's everything you're gonna eat is gonna be lighter in a certain way. 
that that's helpful. I feel it also deep deep loads uh, your intestines if you have that sometimes the, the bloating the feeling of being bloated. Um, so yeah, I, I've I've heard people find find that really helpful and I've I've found it really helpful myself as well. But the sugar thing, I can really recommend that. And just in generally having a balanced diet in terms of like a lot of vegetables, some fruit, you know, not too much fruit either because it's it's sugar again, you know. But if you need sugar, just fruit and and more natural sugars are definitely a way to go. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of water, a lot of sleep. Man, sleeping is sleep really is amazing, man. Love sleep. Yeah, that's really <laughs> I've never slept enough, but I I discovered it a few, like two three years ago. And that's I mean that's hugely beneficial. Seriously, like you you were never sleeping before. I was sleeping enough, no, because I you know I was listening to Arnold Schwarzenegger saying uh, six, six hours of sleep. Don't six hours yeah. sleep you know, exactly <laughs> yeah. enough. If you, if you like to like, sleep yeah. late, then get used to six. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, exactly. you're not going to be successful. <laughs> exactly, and you know my father's also like don't sleep, don't sleep out. You know my father has an aversion to just lazy people, laziness, and and uh, that that I think that's <laughs> been uh, impregnated or like that not impregnated. That's the wrong word. Sorry. <laughs> Um, it has been a, there's been an imprint Great. on me. I think. Imprint, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it has had a huge influence. So feeling that oh I shouldn't be sleeping too much, but now I mean I started I think two or three years ago where I said like a minimum seven and a half hours sleep. Seriously, man, like I, I've always been like I hated the fact that school was at eight, but I was always sleeping like especially after chemo. Like chemo got me out like a like a fucker, man, for a long time. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, yeah. For three, four months, I was sleeping 11 hours uh, and like it took me like two years pretty much to really recover from that. And uh, and now what I what I found hard is sleeping less, you know, like I, I would always like back in uni, I, I would always sleep nine hours, 10 hours every time I get the chance, miss any morning lecture. The lecture would be at like 10 and I would still and it's not like I'm going out drinking and partying or anything like that. Just uh I just couldn't, man. Like I, I loved the sleep and I wanted to sleep. Mm, but mm. N- now that I have something to wake up to, like work and going to work, uh, it's different in quarantine. But like when I had to like physically go someplace and be there at nine, I yeah. didn't have any problem like getting up earlier and like being like mm-hmm. let's do this. But uh, yeah, generally like I'm, I'm, sleep is good. Stretching a lot, yoga a lot, um, eating. I, I'll just maybe drop a bit uh, of meat, but uh, yeah. I'm trying, like, actually, this is a different topic. I'm trying to also somehow control or gain more awareness into my sexual energy too. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. not not just uh, I, it's it's like I, I wasn't I wasn't ever like the biggest fan of masturbation, but you know you fall mm-hmm. into that into that hole every now and then. But course, generally, yeah. like like you see you see like someone you find attractive and you feel that feeling inside of you. And I'm mm. changing. I'm changing my mentality a lot of thinking of instead of having that need or dependence on on that person for them, are they giving me this feeling? No. Mm. To realize, you know, this feeling is coming from from me. This is my my energy. This is my my mm. sensation. And to breathe it and feel it fully, and to, like um, I've gotten like uh, like I've gotten into another state of mind where I really don't want to. I want to reinvent the idea of self-pleasure for myself mm. and see see how that you know affects relationships uh, with women in my life because like I've mm. I've gone through the pattern too often 
where like way too often where I have it going really well with a girl but I fuck it up because I like I show eagerness or neediness or anything like that mm. uh, and um, mm. I don't, I, like I'm trying to break past that and, and just like take control even like in this quarantine loneliness like isolation does mm. something like I was joking with with someone texting them I'm like man I think this uh, this uh, isolation is going to open my seventh chakra so like yeah. I'm, I'm with myself i'm by myself i got to uh, really listen to these sensations a lot more which is i think yeah. an interesting time to to do it mm. um but yeah generally like um, yeah. i don't know how like i remember the only thing i know about your relationship was when i we ran into each other in dubai in dubai mall yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like, still, like, you wouldn't say anything to anyone <laughs> you what what yeah, we were hoping you wouldn't say anything to anyone. Like, who the fuck would I say anything to, you know? <laughs> yeah, I remember we were stressing out for a while because, like, no, somebody finds out, that would be really bad. So you're working together, yeah? Yeah, because you're working together, of course. And in a more general, you know, thing. It was just, it wasn't something to be known, you know, that relationship. Because, like, you, you texted Mahadi and you're like, yeah, let's hope he keeps that to himself. <laughs> like, yeah, I think in that, in that, in that, I actually had to open up to Mahadina at that point mm-hmm. to Abdullah because he didn't know. I don't think he knew anything, right? So I had to tell him so he would make sure that you that you would because I was I was I was I don't know I was trust I trusted him to be like you know to keep that secret yeah. whatever it is and so but I, I wasn't really afraid that you would but I didn't know you at that point yeah. so I was like yeah maybe you just like you know. Even if he said, if he tells someone or the wrong person, that like, might like still, still I think, I think like how how that point at that point in Dubai Mall, I was waiting in front of Virgin Megastores for forty minutes on a friend of mine who couldn't come and couldn't tell me that he wasn't coming because his phone was off, and yeah. that's that's when you passed by, you know. No way. <clears throat> So like I always think like these these weird happenstances happenstances where like how the fuck did I end up being in another country at this specific time and specific place where this specific person that I happen to have a connection with passed by with someone <laughs> they're dating that I'm not or no one's generally supposed to know that that they're yeah. dating um, and now now we're here talking about it so it's just like all comes yeah, back yeah. Uh, somehow. Even if you like think about some those instances where you just realize the world is so small, mm-hmm. you just you're not different place of the world. And you just realize some, you know, you, you see someone from the same village, or you know who knows someone that you know very well. I just think the world works in a way that sometimes just brings those energies together, you know, and and, yeah. and just makes that stuff happen. And I'm just amazed again and again and how at how these things happen. Yeah, they're still happening with you a lot. Yeah, yeah, def- even more. I think. More because of a certain openness to those things. I've always been like very open to the like the, the, the spiritual things, the the supernatural stuff, whatever it is, whatever you might call it, even the divine stuff, whatever appeal people call call divine. But it's it's always it has allowed me to be open and to also I think experience stuff, or at least realize that you're experiencing it instead of just downplaying uh, the fact that it's happening. You know. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough one sometimes I think. Yeah, no, it's not it's not easy. But it, I think if you surround yourself with the right people and everyone around me, I think I'm also drawn to people who work that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that allows for that space to to also unfold or to be created, right? Yeah. 
to talk about these things as well, to be amazed together, you know, not just you yourself. Uh, and I think that that energy that there's an energy that hap- that that is created through those interactions between people as well. Yeah, of course. And uh, me, you're talking about relationships. I mean, I've been in a relationship now for two years mm-hmm. with someone I, I met uh, here in Switzerland, and um, so we definitely did have that spiritual connection, and it has evolved in in, in different way, ways, and it has also created those moments where you just feel like, okay, you you on you you hear what the person is saying, um, or even you know, just you know, an energy that you feel that is beyond any any of ours control you know, the control of any of us okay uh, and and that's that's been enlightening but i also think to be self-critical that i've neglected a lot of it over the last year you know it's the potential that is there the spiritual potential i've i've, I've neglected it that to a certain extent and uh, there there's okay. i should What's, be working in what sense do you think you're neglecting it to be more specific it's it's you know it's about that openness, I think the the other side of the coin is just being caught up in worldly things and being caught up in your work, being caught up in, you know, the, the daily stuff. Uh, and that uh, if you if your energy goes to those things, to the worldly stuff, if you want, then your I guess your eyes towards the supernatural stuff just they're less there, I guess. There's less attention focused. Uh, is, is, it, is it right to say they're supernatural? Say again? Is, is it right to say supernatural stuff? Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't. The way I'm seeing it now is more. This is my experience. The only truth is the only truth there really ever is is my experience at this moment with everything mm-hmm. around me. It's the truth is is this, mm-hmm. and it's just for me about expanding my experience to get to to feel more, understand more, and and see more through that. Because like anything that we we think we know is is at the end of the day a feeling and i contribute a feeling to the experience that i have now and i just want yeah. to be able to experience let's say complete freedom complete mm-hmm. oneness mm-hmm. complete truth complete love like all mm-hmm. of that uh in mm-hmm. a way that that's i don't know what would come out of it but i feel like it's necessary that i do commit to that you know yeah by by expanding my this is why like i'm like falling into this this trap of, of for example masturbation or eating on unhealthy or, or not running or or not expanding my mind right by by reading interesting things or talking to people or, or like taking this next step not because you're addicted to progress which somehow sometimes can really be the case really easily mm-hmm. being like you think that you need to achieve something that, that just doesn't need to be the case which i've i've been a victim to very often yeah. But uh, to really just like reach a point of, of eternal internal experience that is so so real and so pure, and of course, mm-hmm. like of course, being with someone can help you explore that and, and reach that, and, and being stuck in day to day things and, and thoughts and patterns, which we're all subject to, will mm-hmm. will take us back from that and, and be an obstacle. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess you know, you're right to say it's not necessarily supernatural, right? Like, like it's, it's the realest, it's the realest you, thing, you know. Yeah. I, I can't like yeah, yeah. Mahadin threw the sentence uh, when I saw him, 
And he's like, whatever we think is like, okay, I'm paraphrasing. He said everything is real. But what he meant by it is what I think he meant by it is that like whatever we think is, is, is in our heads or our feelings or whatever we perceive is really real. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there you're in the middle of the like in the middle of the debate between constructivism and positivism, right? Because positivism just is that whatever the only things are are things that are measurable that you can see, touch, or explain in a certain way, right? Okay. And constructivists are more like you know, no, things are not just there because you can measure them or touch them. It's just anything you think exists and things things exist the way they are because you think about them in a certain way you picture them in a certain way you explain them in a certain way right so constructivists take that step back whereas positivists um are very adamant about oh no no you know this is nature this is the only thing that is uh, measurable in a certain way you know and this is this is uh, what is objectively true and they have a different conception of what truth is Whereas constructivists say there's no such thing as truth with a big T, but only truths with small T's, you know, depending on everyone's perception. Uh, I, th- so I, I think, think yeah, I think I'd lean, I'd lean more towards constructivism. I think. Yeah, I definitely sense. think so. Most spiritual people actually do, because uh, they, for you to be open in a certain way, you need to take that step back, and then a certain humility comes with it. I think as well. Okay. Yeah. The idea for me for constructivism is that nothing exists without the backbone of everything else. It's not just that, oh, this thing exists, like you said, as a truth with a capital T, but this can only exist because of everything else. It's like a spider web, I think. Mm. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's all connected in a way. Yeah, let's let's say let's say so. But generally, like, I don't know, man, more and more I, I get the feeling. I don't know, man. I don't know what what I feel. What I know, I'm just like <laughs> trying to listen to to whatever this this is more and, and to move on intuition and gut uh, a bit more, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, like, I'm I'm generally curious to, to, you know, like I I'm looking forward to the day where I like meet someone that I think is. Because like I I can see I can look at myself talking about relationships now. Is that a lot of the times I would deny myself a relationship or someone because of let's say one self-esteem issues feeling like maybe i'm not good enough or uh, this this can't be real or denying the 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 reality of it and and being too as you mentioned uh, i don't know the exact wording you said but just not being in it rather being the Mm. construct of it yeah Uh, another Mm. is just having like really high standards being like you know, I I put this awareness into everything that I am all the fucking time. And I don't know, I at least expect someone that's that I that I can connect to at that level also put that type of awareness into their lives. They don't have to fucking work out twenty four seven and and do Wim Hof method and breathing exercises every day. But uh you know Wim Hof, right? Wim Hof? Yeah. Uh, Christopher? No, what is it? No, no, the the Wim Hof, uh, the guy that uh, the Ice Man, like oh the, yeah, all his ice stuff and, yeah. and breathing exercises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen some videos. So, so like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, <laughs> be too, too, uh, 
I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know like what, what my like what's what's were your expectations of relationships growing up and com- comparing them to how you see your relationships now? How how did you see them back when you were nineteen or twenty three and, and how did that expectation of relationships change for you as as you grew up? As in romantic relationships. Romantic relationships, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean, uh, it definitely changed. I mean, I grew up in a so I think in an environment which was very um macho, like where machism was dominant dominant, you know. Masculine because yeah, as in as in, you know, that toxic masculinity. Okay. Was somehow dominating our social environment. And so it was more about, you know, when even when I was already 13, 14 years old, it was about, you know, you can you just sleep with a girl, you know, can you do that or this? And it was a lot about, you know, just just uh trying stuff, being able to 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 put up a certain you know image or whatever it is. It was less less about, you know, the the romantic side of it, I guess. Mm. And that evolved uh, where I had that first long relationship from 15, 16 on, which was very dramatic and uh, turbulent. And it put my world upside down. It was a lot of on and off, a lot of pain, a lot of a lot caused by me also because of my immaturity. Um, because, I mean, I was 15. I was just I was I always felt like, oh, no, no, I don't belong to anyone. I'm no one's territory. I was actually a very, yeah, I was a very, how, how do you call that? <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> bad no example for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, but it's really bad because I was in a relationship. I wasn't honest and sincere about it. Whereas the girl I was actually with was, and she was really mature for her age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was, that was just unjust on so many levels. And it was immature, just on my side, and it didn't help me develop in any way. But like, uh, apart what, from what, seeing, what, what would you say your like, your expectation of it at that point was? Like, what did you think that you wanted out of out of that? Like, what benefits, what feeling, what experience should this other person be? Like, what's the output of this relationship? Did you have any idea of that? Because like at that age, we were just acting it out, acting out the drama, acting out the play. But uh, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't actually actually analyze it. In a way that would be would do justice to to your question. Okay. okay. But um, it's it's about you know the physical side of it. You know, being able to you know sleep with a girl, to have someone that you like around all the time. It was really that that superficial part of it. Although there was a, a deep spiritual connection that was I, I was just unable to do anything, make anything of it. To realize it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then that changed. I think. In the last few years, I was, I was uh, so after Maria, I was um, very, I was, um, I was, I didn't actually meet anyone else. I didn't date anyone else, and I was fine with that. Just because I like the the individualism, I like the the fact that I had a lot of space to think, to write, to to just even try stuff out, you know, to be able to work out, to be independent, all those things, and. That created the expectation of a relationship where, well, if, if I go into that relationship, that's going to be the one that lasts forever. You know? mm-hmm. uh, and that was the case when I got into this one, which was um, beneficial in some ways and detrimental in many others. Uh, because it did actually create that pressure on me and on my partner to, well, this has to work out because I chose 
this relationship and it's not gonna fail you know the expectation of 100 success yeah but that's uh, uh, tough on yourself no on yes that's tough and stupid then it's not necessary to be you know there's no there's no way to predict whatever the future might bring or how things are going to evolve and it's a pressure that is is even like you know thinking about the future in that way is detrimental to your presence you know because mm-hmm. you're not being mindful about what's happening right now you're just thinking about okay is this going to last forever or not and depending on what hap- might hap- may happen in the future what should i do today and that, that is definitely contrary to any uh, idea of mindfulness yeah good yeah. luck with that man. <laughs> let's say like, good luck with that <laughs> yeah i mean uh, the good thing is that i'm thinking about it i'm just realizing it i'm i'm moving with it as well but there there are pattern stuff and themes in my own behavior that i, I don't even you know sometimes you're just ob- oblivious to them because they're so internal to you and being in a relationship in terms of uh if we talk about the growth part of a relationship that everyone uh wishes there to be in a relationship um that's helpful about my partner actually telling me i think you're just acting in a way that you might have learned you know because of the way you were raised or the environment you grew up in uh, and that's something that um, my partner now has been really good at just telling but, me but okay, that's such a such a great and helpful uh, such a great way of communicating such a great way of of, of letting you know because not 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 a lot of people love you enough to actually tell you what they think uh, is wrong you know with with you in in a sense yeah mm. So that's beautiful that, yeah. that you you get to do that and actually grow and realize yourself more because of it. Definitely. Yeah, I think that, that is definitely the case. Yeah, I mean she's she's also a little bit older than me, and I think she has had a longer relationship. I think in her world it's just like just take it a little. She, she takes it she takes it more lightly in a certain way, but in a lightly in as in helpful, you know. Mm. Not that I have that that I put that pressure on because of some idealized version or view that i have of what a relationship should look like and and then her just having that little bit more distance a little bit of a, more of an of a bird eye view she's able to actually point out what's happening in the, in the relationship and even when i'm acting a certain way that that she identifies as being you know inherited from parental you know education and you know how we grow up as uh, as Arabs yeah, and yeah, the things that we take with us, yeah, they're they're also culturally particular in a certain way, where we learn to deal with feelings in a certain way, we learn to deal with um, relationships in a certain way. You know, we have we have um, um, moral and moral values that are not necessarily the same that are dominant in the in the host community that we grow up in, you know, and that sometimes it's helpful for somebody else to just point that out. So you realize it about yourself and then you can still choose what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I think we had a lot of like questions where you just asked something and I, and I didn't actually reply. One of them was the thing about my parents and how we ended up in Switzerland. Yeah. So yeah, yeah sure. Structure your whole, your whole podcast, but in the end, it's, it's a conversation, man. So close those loops, let's are... close those loops. <laughs> let's close okay, those loops. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that the thing about like, like is... one, one question before you, like we start yeah. closing loops. <laughs> like, so something I'm really like not now, now I know to be more skeptical with your Instagram uh, posts, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all show. 
Uh, another proof. It's all show. Yeah. So, so, so you did have this one time where you applied, you, where you did the Ninja Warrior challenge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you. I never saw how that ended and how that went. I think. I think you. You posted about being in the trials and how you're like doing it and stuff but then like afterwards silence <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's interesting uh, that so i was like that. what the fuck happened you know like you should have asked you should have asked probably, have probably fell in a pool of water the second <laughs> no, 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 no. i didn't even get in so there was the way you apply is that was the first edition in switzerland and i actually discovered it and I was like, oh, no, a friend of mine discovered it. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's apply, apply to that. And um, then my whole parkour crew actually applied. Okay. So you had to send in a video and then you go to that um, the, the casting. Casting, yeah. You know, the physical test is what I was expecting it to be. It was more actually like a casting for a TV show. <laughs> but, uh, there were a few, you know, tests. <laughs> Like a guy with mismatch, complete mismatch. No, but I'm a, I, I was actually, I was getting, I mean, I arrived there and I was like, yeah, that's cool. Let's have some fun. We have those exercises, those tests. We did all of that stuff. And I mean, you know, I fared pretty well, definitely above average. And in direct comparison with my teammates, I knew to be, you know, definitely among the better ones. You know? okay. um, but then the results came out and all of my teammates got in. Okay. All of them. So even, you know, let's say the half of them that just scored, you know, um, worse than me. Uh, and so I was in the first, uh, you know, at first I was like, I was just disappointed because I couldn't understand why. Because I thought of it as being somehow, you know, measured by physical capability or whatever else, you know, might be there. You know, I, it was just that feeling, okay, I'm not getting in, but everyone else is getting in. Uh, that's weird. Um so the first instance, what everyone else was saying, I didn't say that in the first, you know, but I'm the only guy who's like not um, bio-Swiss or like ethnically Swiss or whatever you oh, want to call that, okay, okay. you know. Um, so there was that idea going on, okay, that's probably because why you weren't taken, because there was another parkour team where everyone else got in, but the only Arab guy didn't get in, you know. Okay. Um, but... Uh, you can't verify that, obviously, you know, but there might be something about, you know, we want some more Swissness in our Ninja Warrior Swiss edition. Okay. That's definitely a valid, um, you know, suggestion. Some, some Swissness. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, but then how do you define Swissness? And if you define it in ethical way, in ethnic ways, which defines a whiteness as being uh, Swissness, you know, that becomes more complicated. But there's no way for me to to test that. So that maybe maybe they just found you to be too good and they want to challenge on the show. They want just people yeah. to, to be too good. You know, let's, let's yeah. believe in that. <laughs> That's what most people told me after. Like, no, like, yeah, exactly. They want to the show, you know, you just finished it in two seconds and... and no, sort of I think so. It was really tough, though, by the way. Yeah, even though you know, I mean, I saw my friends go in there, and, and afterwards, by the way, I didn't regret it because the TV show—it was the Swiss edition, the first one—and the 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 guys were commenting. You know, the the commentators—is that what they call yeah, them? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, they were so bad, and I just felt like, okay, if I had been on that show, that would have been a huge embarrassment. <laughs> so I was happy, you know, actually, to be on it. You know, but it was physically tough. I mean, the guys who won that thing—they yeah. were. They were fit, yeah. They were really fit. And I don't think uh, you, you don't. You don't think you would have managed? No, I wouldn't have won it. No, no, I don't know. I don't know what I've managed, you know, but I wouldn't have won it. <laughs> okay. Because you don't need to be. You need to look at the climber um, figure. You need to be that 
you have that climber athletic posture, you know. Yeah. If you climb a lot, if you were able to, if you have that endurance in your forearms, yeah. that's really helpful. Um, which I don't necessarily have, you know. I'm not a climber, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I somewhere imagine. definitely not win it. <laughs> but I've always, man, uh, I've always, always wanted to be in an obstacle course like that, you know, like jump here, hold on to that, slide down mm. to this thing, you know, then this that's thing comes was, from you have to jump. Came, I was like, no, that's the yeah. thing I've always wanted to do, you know. Always, always. To Switzerland, I want to do it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Man's supply, I mean, Ninja War Germany is, is huge. I mean, you can just try to work on that. And then the exercises, you can work, you can work out to be, you know, able to get into the casting. Yeah, I'll get to, I got into climbing a bit more. And yeah. uh, <laughs> let me worry about fighting for the next one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll try that. Okay, closing loops. You're telling about uh, how your parents ended up in Switzerland. Yeah. Let's maybe, uh, the thing about, the one thing before that, thing about sexuality. I really uh, think you're you're on a you're on a big point there, and I think that's you know with with social media with with our access to all kinds of talk, you know everything we have access to everything now. It's really important to even uh, as a as a human a person in general, you know, but as a man even more, because uh, advertising everything is like it's so sexist sexist in a way that is it targets men, you know. Mm-hmm. So you're you're definitely you're exposed to more um, influences from the outside world or from or from even the the virtual environment, where you where the only the only point is to arouse you sexually, you know? mm-hmm. and uh, being able to withdraw from that and, and control that. I think that's really uh, I admire that a lot of people are able to do that. I mean, I, I think about one guy who told me his brother was was uh, becoming a monk, you know, and one of the first exercises okay. was just you don't you don't you don't masturbate anymore. You know, that's something you don't do. If you, if you have a, a, um, if you have an orgasm, it's just because it happens naturally, you know. And what he said is like about his brother is like he just he calmed down and he started to get that space, you know, that mental space. And I always admired that, and I would definitely want to go on a journey at some point, which I'm definitely not at Dude, right now. Like, like definitely. Uh... Because I mean, sexual energy is the prime energy that's been that's existed for for all of our. It's the one thing that like brought us here. It was the one consistent thing between yeah. every living thing that that was our ancestor until us right now. So it's just such an underlying thing to our reality, and and to just not take advantage of it or to learn it and wield it. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just kudos on that, and um, good luck with it as well. To find that, as you called it beautifully, I think you said, developing the 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 ability to to have self pleasure, like is... capacity. Maybe I said like yeah, yeah. I don't I don't want it to be masturbation, but rather self self pleasure in a sense no where you know sometimes like last month I did uh, like twenty eight days without uh, masturbation and. At wow. that point, at that point, you know, you feel the heat, you feel this internal fire, you feel fire inside you, man, mm. and mm. and you 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 don't you don't know what to do with it. This is why, like, you feel like you need to release, you know, you need to just like let go of it because yeah. like it's it's a lot, you know, your entire like if you focus on this feeling and you breathe and you mm. feel you feel this feeling in your arms and your chest and your body and you spread it and you let it move through you. Without yeah. being too attached to any type of image of, of a sexual nature, then then you mm. just 
energize your your everything i don't know mm. if like what science is behind this or or whatever but uh you feel it <laughs> yeah. you you have so much more drive so much more i don't want to just say energy but like you're like even how you're you're outspoken to, to people like when you talk you're more articulate you're more your thoughts are more together mm. you're more you're the confidence the the everything is just like you're you're ready to to be alive and face life Wow. And and to to you, then like comes the feeling of course of of throwing it away because you feel like uh, sometimes you know you you either embody your masculine essence and you're conscious you become fully full consciousness which is which is should be the ultimate goal of of, of masculinity mm. but uh, on the other hand there's uh, wanting to be asleep you know wanting to just fall asleep in nothingness and be that nothingness and release and not have the responsibility which is which is very easy to just want to fall into that and, and just yeah. nothing um, mm. but it's it's always the fact that you move from both of these things that make make you alive right mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, good luck with that, man. Keep, thanks, keep man. Thanks. I really, I really like how how you threw you threw in that, you know, um, let's say definition of of what positivism is and constructivism. Because like, like for me, on the other hand, like I, I, I I'm, I, I'm philosophy to the core, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I don't label things as as constructivism or positivism or or whatever. I. I don't know, man. I, I, I never, yeah. I never said, oh, my philosophy is stoicism. No, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't. It's just helpful sometimes to know, you know, to be able to use the labels to just, uh, as prisms through which you look at certain things. You know, sometimes, why do we use labels? We just use them so we're able to communicate, right? If you say constructivism, you know, then I will know what you're talking about. But you can also explain what you're telling me with a couple of sentences, right? And I think both things work, right? But uh, sometimes it's helpful to have a common vocabulary. That's the only thing why it exists. It shouldn't be over, over. Um, what is the word? Uh, it shouldn't get too much weight either, right? Um, it's just helpful sometimes because the, in, in, I mean, I guess in philosophy and in the social sciences, or even in science in general, uh, you have that schism between constructivism and positivism, and it, it, should, it should never be like two. The perception of two separate camps, you know, which it sometimes is, unfortunately. Um, is, it, is it positivism or politivism? Positivism. Posit- okay, okay. Yeah, it's positivism. If you look at it, it's even uh, objectivism. Is sometimes something that's very close yeah. to positivism. Because like I, I had, I had this phase. Um, I don't know how you, how your relationship to drugs really, really is, but uh, I had this phase where I was microdosing a bit of acid actually. Mm-hmm. So like every third day, I take like eight micrograms or something, like very, very small, small amount. But like after a while of doing it. The way I started seeing the world, I started seeing the world as information. I'd, yeah. I'd look at something and be like, "This is data." My brain is just happens to to process this data, but beyond anything, it is just data arranged in a certain way. And the fact yeah. that I can interact with it, because like I went through the phase of thinking, you know, this thing is is this like it's all just information. <laughs> my mm. friends, my friends started making fun of me. Like uh, every time I said information, they they would say broccoli. So because <laughs> like at the end of the day, like if you keep saying, because this happened also when I was writing my book, 
I was just like mm. telling telling my friends like guys can't you see this is all just information uh, <laughs> information but like when you keep throwing the same word over and over again it just starts sounding like broccoli you know broccoli <laughs> broccoli like you're using this word but it doesn't necessarily need to mean anything you know you can't just yeah. like take a word and just oh let's describe everything with this word so yeah. broccoli 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 <laughs> so when That's i was good. writing the book i couldn't write information anymore <laughs> i That's like these you hear your information like once or twice in the entire thing but no yeah. no information yeah yeah no there's there's a particular dyna power dynamic in the abbreviation of words because you can capture a lot like like words capture a lot of meaning that meaning might be very detrimental to the person that has actually been described by it but because people have a common uh, perception of what that or common understanding of that word it doesn't need even to be you know explicitly said but they it still it still is oppressive in a way that the use of that word you know mm -hmm. uh, and that's how it becomes um you know how, how it gets some for some sort of autonomous dynamic uh which you can't you can definitely difficult like it's hard to tackle that, uh, especially in the sciences of you, or in more generally in, in reading, you know, we just read stuff and we don't, act, so often we don't question what, what, whether what we understand, whether the, whether the way we read that word is necessarily right or truth, truthful, or even do, does it do justice to what we think it describes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, okay. being in academia, that's that's been uh, some... That's been a painful process to me, you know, trying to always uh, flesh out what that word means and even being critical of my, about myself and my use of particular words and how I might be employing them without even, you know, questioning whether everyone has the same understanding. Oh, because at the end of the day, all that matters is how what you try to explain or portray is interpreted. I think mm -hmm. interpretation is at the end of the day the soul of because uh, your intention is something and then interpretation is, is just fucked but uh, yeah. like the entire so one of the points you mentioned was how just anything being labeled in a certain way will have people act towards it in a preconceived notion of mm. uh, okay this guy has ADHD then we have to treat him like he can't pay attention to anything and all of yeah. us need to treat him like that and he'll but, become that at some point and then you like I, I read about this uh, I don't know where I read about this uh, test where they um, a, a book called what schools could be I think mm -hmm. and the these uh, I don't know who did this experiment they went to school they brought all of the kids they asked them some questions and then they went to the teachers and then they told them something like um, you see uh, Emily over there, Rebecca, uh, Dimitri, and uh, <laughs> actually Emily and Dimitri were one of two of the students that were in Finland um, yeah. when, I, when I gave the talk. I don't know if one of them was also called Rebecca, but uh, anyways, they went, they went and t told the teachers like these students are very like unique high potential students and they're like yeah. five, five years old or like very young yeah. students. And after after like three years, they visited the school again, and it, and these people that they told the teachers were were high potential. They they outperformed everyone, and mm. not because they were special in any way, but because just the fact that the teachers thought that these guys were high potential, they mm. the type of attention they gave them was what is the type of attention that was uh, conducive to that type of growth. So when you expect mm. someone to 
to understand and, and learn and you, you create that expectation of them, that label in that sense, which in this case was positive, but still a delusion caused yeah. that type of growth. So I thought that, mm -hmm. you know, of course, like back to the point is that that that's not something that we can avoid the power of how words affect everything that we are and what we pay attention to. And a, a lot of what philosophy, like modern philosophers would say is that there's nothing left for philosophy besides deconstructing and understanding language more, mm. which which I can't help but be like, what the fuck does that even mean? You know, like what, mm -hmm. like you're trying to say that the only tool that you are using to to understand the universe so you're so you created a loop between you and the tool that you're using to understand the tool that you're using to understand the tool that you're using to understand the tool that you <laughs> but, but, but it's it's the universe that, that you're experiencing so what the fuck are you trying to, to say with that you know like uh, yeah. So like I I might not have a degree in philosophy, but you know fuck philosophers who limit thought. You know you're not supposed to limit thought. You're supposed to yeah. uh, sure that's the tool, but just like yeah, I don't it should know. be just self self reinforcing or, or intellectual masturbation. Right? It's intellectual masturbation a lot of the time, you know, <laughs> and, and like we've all intellectually masturbated in one way or another more than like yeah. like generally like I had this need in me for the longest time of you know like I attached myself to the idea of intelligence and I was like I'm intelligent, fuck all of you, let me tell you mm -hmm. how this this is you know so I was talking to this uh, chief technology officer of a tech startup in Dubai and and I was I was trying to describe to him how the future of AI would look like when mm. when when the guy is probably himself going to revolutionize AI at some point and, mm. <laughs> and like and like you know I had that definitely like big time um but then, then it translated it translated into trying to really see intelligence in a in, in a way that I think is uh, I don't know, man. I think like because like the book's called Understanding Intelligence, right? Yeah, I don't know if you sorry. if you had the chance to to look through. No, I didn't read it, but I just saw that you posted something. It's crazy. But you already have <laughs> the book now. Yeah, yeah, but, but like it's just uh, my philosophical fight, basically. Or mm. <laughs> I was like, I need I need to just like break like because I don't know, man. A lot of people attribute intelligence in the wrong ways. We think we think we all think we're intelligent in a certain way. But yeah. sometimes we're not utilizing it. Some sometimes it's a delusion. Sometimes we praise people for it when we shouldn't. Like there's there's a very wrong relationship to it. Although I don't really mention that in the book, it's it's something that I should really get get into a lot more. But yeah. uh, I can see why my relationship to intelligence and the way that I thought intelligence uh, represented or me representing it, mm. I really I really see now how. The more and more I look at this, it's just like the, the underlying message in this book is that the universe is intelligence, inherently mm. intelligent, and it's just trying to understand itself. And when you have that type of loop between intelligence and itself and, and trying to understand itself mm -hmm. uh, with the nature of it obviously being infinite, and then you have mm -hmm. per perfection on the side and then imperfection as the reality, and mm -hmm. then how perfection is basically experiencing itself through imperfection that manifests itself across i don't know so many so many levels that we can't imagine and to think that i can be here right now talking to you and i can be aware of that yeah. but at the same time because like I, I don't know what you think about this idea ahmed but 
I see that the fact that awareness exists as a, as as a thing that I can experience makes me feel like awareness can't be anything but just one thing, but somehow mm-hmm. a, fr- a fractured thing, but still one thing. Mm-hmm. Like I can't like I threw in a lot of ideas here for sure, but like yeah. the, ide- the idea of of just because I am aware, like I can't find the right words to really explain this, but like like I really feel that the fact that awareness is even a thing means that is it's only one thing. I can't think mm. that that like just like dreams, man. You know, uh, have you ever you dreamed? Like by 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 say I have dreamed what? Have you ever journaled your dreams? Oh yeah, but, but just when it's a really powerful dream. Okay. Not not in a systematic way. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I guess I, what you maybe what you're trying to get at is that by labeling it in a certain way, you're already already closing down the the possibilities of it being something else, right? A lot of the time, you're narrowing yeah. down the perception of that, which is which is the way we human beings communicate, right? But it's, but yeah. just just before you continue, sorry. Like the the nice thing about our language and words, I still think the fact that uh, narrative, a very powerful narrative, uh, isn't sure it's words and it describes uh, happening, but it doesn't mm-hmm. close itself in, in in that way. Because like you look at the Quran, you look at the Bible, how it keeps on referencing itself back back mm-hmm. and forth across itself gives it that sense of of infiniteness too of mm. this re- re-referral and 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 cycle so so like sure words mm. can be limiting but in the sense of a powerful narrative i think that that's the ultimate type of freedom that we can like a good story a good narrative a good mm. dream like a powerful dream worth writing down that's yeah. that's for me what this really is somehow yeah so if you're able to describe awareness in that through such a narrative, I guess you might actually open up the possibilities for it being much more than than it just being one thing, right? Mm-hmm. If I understand you right. Uh, much more than it being one thing? Yeah, because that, what you were saying before is that if you think about awareness, by thinking about it as being a thing, it just becomes one, one single thing, right? And if you embed it in a narrative that allows for that sense of infinity, you might actually open up the possibilities of it being more than just one thing. If I follow your um, trail of thought. So, so I think I m- might have lost myself in, in my. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. No. Like. Like. I don't know, man. I. I like I like the point of of being able to put uh, a narrative that might present awareness of that idea, but I'm I'm not trying to put uh, a word on awareness to define. I'm trying to find the words to define how I think I feel that because I am aware and I experience because that's the mm-hmm. only like real truth that I can I can know is that because awareness is a thing. It yeah. can't. It can't be that my awareness is separate from your awareness. That's separate from uh, Stone's awareness. It, it just feels like this is that this consciousness is one thing. You know, I, I get. I, mm-hmm. I I somehow feel that. Mm-hmm. But but to put it in in words is is just fucking impossible. Uh, but mm-hmm. to put to write a narrative that can get that feeling across to people, yeah. that doesn't seem impossible. No. Yeah. 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 I see. Mm-hmm. 
Great man's getting late. Yeah, man, I'm <laughs> really sleepy and I'm, I'm losing myself. <laughs> yeah, it's okay, it's okay, good. Yeah. It was great talking to you, man. Did we close the loop on your parents reaching Switzerland? No, yeah, <laughs> it was a quick. That's a quick one. Let's let's stop. Let's finish on this one actually. So my parents were so both in uh, grew up in Iraq, okay, and then uh, went to Kuwait, Kuwait to study, and then my father started working there as well. Mm. And you know, Kuwait, Kuwait, nineteen ninety one. Uh, Saddam invaded it and excavated, and then we had uh, the invasion of uh, the US-led invasion or fight or, or, or whatever it is, whatever you call that, the intervention that pushed back uh, Saddam back into Iraq. And we were we, we had to flee then as well back into Iraq. Uh, and because my father hadn't really lived, he lived there and the situation was really bad in the 90s. You know, we had that embargo it was really difficult. It was our difficult years. And my father then decided that we should leave. So he left. He was actually in Jordan first. And then through through a series of uh, like incidents, accidents, call them what you may, uh, we landed in Switzerland. So he landed in Switzerland first and and we we followed him about half a year later. Yeah, so, so you weren't born, born there. No, I wasn't born there. I was born in uh, Kuwait. <laughs> Kuwait, actually, Kuwait City. I've never seen other than my birth. <laughs> You've never seen Kuwait aside from being born in Kuwait? Yeah, exactly. That's okay. It. Okay. Like, I, I was born in Saudi Arabia, but I, I have been in Saudi Arabia one time when I was, like, 14. But, uh, oh, really? but I got that feeling until, like, I know what you're feeling until I was 14. Okay, exactly. Maybe I'll get yeah. What is it? What was it like for you to be back then? I I, I don't know. Like I had the expectation of thinking that it should be special, but it wasn't. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fucking Saudi. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I feel. I just like I don't even feel like going to Kuwait actually. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it must have been interesting to be at the place where you were born. Cool stuff. Okay, man. Thank, thank you so much for okay. taking the time. Yeah, it was a pleasure. It was real, real nice. Like to... a highlight. Okay, it was good. Time. Inshallah, man. I will. I will. And uh, stay in touch. Okay. Of and course, we'll... you too. It's, I, I didn't know you had this uh, philosophical side to you too. So maybe next one we'll dig a bit deeper into that. <laughs> yeah, let's have this as an intro. And then we. I wouldn't call it the philosophical side. It's just the. Because I mean, guessing, I guess, I mean, uh, being in academia and reading a lot, I mean, I have that privilege of now for two years already of reading a lot, uh, writing a lot, and it just takes me to different places where you, definitely, if you're open to it, you know, it allows you to, to evolve in a certain way that's sometimes beneficial. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Right. Yeah, you too, man. Sleep Stay well, safe, yeah. healthy during the quarantine. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk soon. See you, man. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.